the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Peter. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. A watching world will want to know what I believe and whose I am. Because if not, I probably look too much like they do. And am I living my life in such a way that number one, I'm glorifying God, and number two, I'm considerate of others. Others who aren't saved, who need salvation, others who are saved, And I don't want to do anything to hinder that relationship. I only want to do something that would help to influence them in an edifying way. Do you often think of the needs and concerns of others? In today's message from Pastor Gary, he teaches you the importance of being others-minded. God desires for you to help others come to the saving knowledge of Him. There may be many people that you will encounter that have never read the Bible. However, they will read the story of your life. Pastor Gary urges you to not just talk the talk of faith, but it's important that you walk it. Let your life be congruent with the words of faith that you speak. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. You know, listen, when your life is in danger, uh, you you can't really hold on to anything that this world has to offer. So that's why he's constantly saying, you know, listen, keep your focus on heaven, keep your focus on Christ, uh, prepare your mind for action, you know, guard your thoughts here, be sober about this, get serious about your faith. And so these are all his exhortations here. And then he adds in verse 14, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, so you also be holy in all your conduct, circle the word conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. I want to just spend some time here because... Uh, I think that a word that really needs to be recaptured, not only in Christian conversation, but in Christian conduct, is holiness. God calls us to holy living. Now, what exactly does that look like? And let's talk about it for a moment. Just kind of focus on this and, and understand what it really means here. He says in verses 15 and 16, but as he who called you is holy, that is the Lord, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy 
for I am holy. So the Greek word for, for holy is hagios, and it means to be morally pure, and it also means to be set apart for God. The word holy or holiness is used in both ways. When you and I get saved, that is to say, when you and I come into relationship with Jesus by faith in what he did on a cross, we are, by virtue of that confession of our faith and trusting him as Savior, we are instantly set apart. We are made holy. And that's a work of God. That, that is not anything that we can, you know, do ourselves. God makes us holy. And so in that sense, we are set apart. We are now, you know, we have a different purpose. We have a different um, uh, um, entirely different heart. We have, you know, we've been transformed through faith in Christ. So he makes us holy, okay? But then scripture also calls us to be holy, to walk in holiness, to conduct ourselves in a way that is honorable and pleasing and morally pure to God. So the Bible uses it in both ways in the New Testament. Hagios can mean set apart. It can also mean morally pure. Uh, in the one sense, it's what God does for us. In the other sense, it's, what, it's how we conduct ourselves. And so it's both. And the standard here is God himself. He, he doesn't say be holy like your friend is holy. He says be holy as I am holy. So he's the standard, and he's the one that we should emulate and please and honor and revere and glorify. The problem becomes, for me as a pastor, of talking about holiness in a way that doesn't necessarily prescribe every nuance of how you should conduct yourself. Because then there's this potential for me to prescribe how you should live and, and, and it becomes this legalistic list, and I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I think there's an absence in the pulpit of pastors who are challenging people and themselves to walk in holiness. And, I, and I'm concerned about it, and I, just, I need to take some time to talk to us together about this subject, because I think in the area of holiness, Christians, and, I, and I'm not trying to you know, say cornerstone, I'm just saying Christians in general, the body of Christ, I'm concerned about a sloppiness in regards to holiness before God. And I'm going to share with you, I think from what Peter's saying here, three important things that mark holy living. And the first thing that, uh, that he says here clearly that marks holy living is nonconformity to this world nonconformity to this world. Now look again at verse 14. He says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. So fulfilling God's call to holiness means leaving the lifestyle, the pattern, the conduct of the world, which is characterized by lust and ignorance, and instead living lives that are holy and honorable and morally pure before God. Now, the, the, the Greek word here for holy, uh, uh, sorry, for conforming, when he says as obedient children, not conforming, it's, it's not the negative 
ume, and then conforming is suskematizo, uh, and we get our English word schematic from that word. So what he, what, in the Greek, the original word in English, we get schematic, so he's basically, the idea of schematic or pattern or plan, okay? So the challenge here to us is that none of us should be living our lives in a way that is modeled after the schematic or the plan or the design of the world. Now, what does that mean? Because obviously we live in the world, and, uh, and, and, and yet we're not to be of the world. So, you know, what are some of the things that we should be cautious about or careful about? So I'm, I'm going to just you know, say a few things, and, um, and, if, and you pray about it. And again, I, you know, I want to be too careful. I don't want to just, if I, if I start to make a list of stuff, and I don't include something that you think should be on the list, then you think, okay, I'm scot-free. And if I, you know, if I do include too many things that you're thinking, well, that shouldn't be on the list, then we're going to have this battle over, you know, words. So I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to launch a few things, then I'm going to read some scripture, and I'm just going to ask you to pray about stuff. Because, you know, I got concerns about some things, you know, that seem to be more commonplace these days, where there, there just seems to be, you know, some cultural acceptance that I think, you know, Christians are getting caught up in, and I just think we need to be, you know, guarded against uh, what I'll refer to as cultural vices, Okay. And it, and it usually has to do with the way we just socialize and interact with people. And, and, uh, and, and so the question becomes, how similar am I living my life that people who don't know Christ would then be less likely to want to know what I believe or whose I am because I look just like they do? That becomes the real question. So whatever, whatever the cultural vice or whatever the issue, the question becomes, how similar am I living my life to the rest of the world that they would then be less likely to really ever ask me what I believe or whose I am because I look too much like they? Because if that's the case, then then I'm conforming to the pattern of this world. If people are less likely to see a difference in me that would then cause them to be curious about my faith, then I look too much like they do. And I'm living like too much like they do. And I'm talking too much like they do. And I'm going to places too much like they go to. You understand what I'm saying? So there becomes, you know, all these kind of issues about, you know, Christians drinking and vaping and, you know, just smoking a little weed and, you know, and all this kind of social stuff. Again, you know, listen, I, you know, I've preached whole sermons on drinking. I don't think the Bible prohibits drinking. I think it does caution against it. The 11 passages in the book of Proverbs about alcohol, 9 out of 11 are extreme cautions. First time you see alcohol mentioned in the Bible is Genesis chapter 9, when Noah gets drunk and one of his sons does something inappropriate for which his descendants are cursed. Last time you see alcohol in the Bible is Revelation chapter 17, when the nations get drunk with the maddening wine of the fornications of the woman who rides the beast. You say, well, yeah, but I'm just going to be like Jesus. Jesus drank wine. Well, Jesus said, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. 
So I'll preach caution all day long. I'm not going to preach abstinence because that's, the Bible doesn't teach abstinence. But see, when we begin to ask ourselves, what is conformity to the world? And what is a pattern that makes my life look too much like the world? And it's not distinguishable enough. It just overlays the world so that the world doesn't see too much difference in my life. I think we need to interject into our, the conversation and into you know, our conduct things like, I mean, would, would you think it's okay if Jesus you know, walked into a bar, threw back a few shots, and then preached the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, would that, would that bother you just a little bit? Like, ah, that seems a little weird. Or he's sitting around at the Last Supper and he's slurping some, some jello shots and vaping with his disciples around the table. Would that bother you? Would you look at that and go, that's, that's weird. You know, if Da Vinci painted the Last Supper and they're vaping, would that bother you a little bit? Would you go like, that's kind of weird. Okay. So again, at the risk of like calling out certain practices, all I want to do is just ask you to just be praying if it applies to you. And if it doesn't, great. The question again, how similar is my life to the pattern of this world such that people would be less likely to ask me what I believe and whose I am because my life looks too much like theirs? Are we conforming to the pattern of this world? Are people looking at us and going, you're just like me. what, what, What difference is your life compared to mine? So I'm going to take you to two passages. I know I'm, I'm parking here on purpose because I feel like this is what the Lord wants us to kind of just, you know, meditate on and ruminate about. But if you go backwards in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14, I just want to share a couple of passages with you. And then, you know, you can take this home, pray about it, and, and, uh, and you know, you can decide what the Lord wants you to do with any of this. But um, in Romans chapter 14, verses 19 through 21, Paul says this. Romans 14, 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. I'll explain in a minute. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good. This is verse 21. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. All right, your attention. So in the day, there was this big controversy. Um, Should Christians eat meat that had first been offered to idols? It's, It's first century. It's Roman polytheism. So in the Roman culture, you'd go to the butcher, and the butcher would have meat for you to buy, but before they would sell it, uh, they, the, the, the Romans would offer it to their false gods, and then they'd put it out in the market. And Christians were coming along going, I'm not sure we should, we should buy this meat because it's been offered to idols, so the meat is tainted here. And, and so Paul's basically saying, listen, uh, it's, it's okay if you want to eat the meat, but you have to also bear in mind that some people might stumble because of your personal liberties. So therefore... Don't exercise your personal liberties if it could affect someone else in a detrimental way. Either either because they won't come to faith because of your conduct, 
or someone who is a Christian uh, will stumble and, you know, they'll be offended because of your conduct. So listen, all of us all the time, as a believer in Christ, you will either be a stepping stone or you will be a hindrance to somebody coming to know Christ. There's no demilitarized zone on this. You will either be someone who is a stepping stone, you will help somebody, or it's going to be a detrimental example, one or the other. But I love the way that Paul just says, listen, you know, certain freedoms are not necessarily liberties if, in fact, it might have a detrimental effect on somebody else. So that's why he says there, it's it's good uh, neither to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Go over a few more books later, uh, Acts Romans, actually the next book, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, kind of on the same theme. But he goes into even more detail here, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 23 down through the end of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. And you might want to underline this, verse, verse, 24, verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. You see that? Eat whatever is sold in the, in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. He's like, you know, great, listen, you know, the hamburgers and, you know, McChicken, you know, it's all good, right? And if you have a clear conscience about it, because it's all the Lord's, the, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of those, verse 27, if any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for, the, for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for for, uh, the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also Please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, notice that they may be saved. What Paul is basically saying here in a nutshell in these verses here is that I should never live just for myself. Every single one of us needs to to live with two things in mind. Number one, God. Does this glorify God? Does this, that's what we should always be asking about our conduct. Does this glorify God? And that's why he says there in verse 31, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the, that's the preeminent question about anything that we do. Does this glorify God? Then the second question we we need to be asking ourselves is, how does this impact others? Because again, this is basically what Paul's saying here. He's like, you know, I just don't live for Christ for myself or my own purposes or my own desires or my own fulfillment. I'm going to live my life for the glory of God and in consideration of other people. And how, related to number two, my conduct may impact them, either positively or negatively. Because we don't live on an island. We're going to have 
influence. The question becomes, is our influence something that helps people to either come to Christ or to grow in their relationship with Christ? Or does my influence cause them somehow to stumble or take offense that they may even reject faith? We're called to set good examples, and we're called to be godly influences. And I think that the only way that Christians are really going to effectively do that in the world today is if we take the subject of holiness seriously. And we ask ourselves, is this glorifying to God? Is this leading others to Christ or edifying those who already know Him? This is how we are to be challenged in relationship back here in 1 Peter chapter 1 to being obedient children, not conforming to this world, not living our lives according to the pattern or the schematic or the design of this world. Listen, the world is going to be constantly trying to shape you into its image. The Bible calls us to constantly be living in a way that we are shaped in the image of our Savior. You can write this verse down. It's Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God calls us to be conformed to the image of his Son. It's the same word. And Paul not only encourages us that in that way in Romans 8.29, but he challenges, he warns us in Romans 12.2 in the same way that Peter warns us in 1 Peter chapter 1. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 12.2. And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he calls us to walk in holiness, to be people who honor the Lord in our holy living. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. 1 Thessalonians 4.7 For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. That is, to be morally pure and separate for the glory of God. So, you know, I only throw out some words like, you know, the drinking, the clubbing, the vaping, you know, you know, a little pot here and there, all this kind of stuff. Look, look, you come up with your own evaluation of your own life. Just answer the questions. Is my life looking too much like the pattern of this world? And if the Lord shows you that, then make changes. You know, re- repent of it. You know, is, is my life distinct enough? that a watching world will want to know what I believe and whose I am. Because if not, I probably look too much like they do. And am I living my life in such a way that, number one, I'm glorifying God, and number two, I'm considerate of others? Others who aren't saved, who need salvation, others who are saved, And I don't want to do anything to hinder that relationship. I only want to do something that would help to influence them in an edifying way in their relationship with the Lord. So, but let's just pray there tonight and just ask the Lord, you know, am am I living in such a way that God would say, yes, that's a holy life before me. 
Uh, Let's just pray and ask the Lord for his help and for his conviction where necessary, his encouragement where necessary, and let's just ask him to be men and women who are holy because he is holy. You've been listening to Pastor Gary Hamrick on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary is making his way through the book of 1 Peter, where we will encounter thoughts like this one from 1 Peter 1, 6-7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelations of Jesus Christ. In just two short verses, Peter shifts the entire paradigm of suffering. First, he tells us that it's suffering for a little while and tells us that it has a purpose in purifying and testing our faith. Are you going through one of these trials? You can email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. We would love to pray with you that your faith would be perfected through it. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. We have services Sunday mornings at 8.30, 10, and 11.45, and Wednesday evenings at 7. Come by and see us. For all the information you need, head over to cornerstoneconnection.cc. Once again, that website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're coming to the end of our time today. But we will be back again next time with more from Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.